of that time. But I've been eager, eager to come and share with you today because I feel that I'm carrying a little something, something. And uh, yeah, so um, this is um, the, the one time I'm going to get to preach this here. So this is, uh, this is for this service. So uh, this is exciting. Um, I, um, put, your, put your hand up if um, you were good at maths at school. I hate you. <laughs> I just want to put it out there. I'm going to pretend that I love you. I'm going to give you a hug. It's going to seem like I do, but actually I hate you. Why? I don't I, Because there were just those people who were good at math, and I was not. I couldn't do it. I don't know. My brain rejected numbers uh, for some reason. And, um, yeah, I think that uh, that is uh, something that maybe I've, I've got a little bit better at than I was when I was at school. But the message I want to bring you today is God's maths do not add up. God's maths do not add up. And First uh, Kings 17, verses 8 to 14. I'm just going to get on because I've got a lot to say and so little time. So I just want to make sure that we get everything in. First uh, Kings 17, 8 to 14. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath and he arrived at the gates of the village and he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. And I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead, do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So that's just to, to kick us off. The first point that I want to make is God causes multiplication to come from division. You see, what I find intriguing is that this woman was coming with a certain mindset she was essentially uh, preparing to die. She knew. And, you know, anyone who is a parent will understand that the pressure of that moment is probably very little to do with her. The pressure of that moment is to do with her and the fact that her son is going to die. That's where the pressure is going to be, as she knows her resources are coming to an end. And yet the man of God brings a challenge to her to let go of some of the little that she already had, to let go of something that she already believed was not enough. First divide the little you have, and then God will multiply. 
It happened, didn't it, when um, Jesus went to feed um, the 5,000 and they had just a, a few uh, loaves and fish and Jesus took the bread and the fish and he broke it and asked for it to be distributed amongst the people. They only had a little bit. Everyone believed it was not, not going to be anywhere enough, but there had to be division before there could be multiplication. I believe that God wants us to understand that there is a natural way of thinking that when I let go of something, what I have is less. But God wants to turn some things on its head and help us to understand that when I take something and place it into the hands of God, I, it may seem that I have less for a moment, but I am only, the division only comes for a moment, but the multiplication keeps on going. The reality was that this widow, though she had to yield something initially, what she received was something that kept on sustaining her and kept on giving. And in fact, as we've just uh, heard, those few loaves and fish produced 12 baskets. It's a bit like, when we come, and uh, I was just uh, coming in there as, as Tando was preparing to, to pray over the, our giving. We talk about giving being part of our worship, which it absolutely is. It's part of, uh, you know, worship is singing songs to God, but it also it's about giving of our substance. When we give of our substance... We give money that we've earned. When I give money that I've earned, it means that I've given part of my life to earn that money. I've invested, I've invested my life in a job that I'm, I'm not going to get that back. So the, so the, 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 the employer uh, will give me something in exchange for my skills, but also in exchange for my life. And so, and then, and, and then when I, I come and give that, I give that to, to, to God. It is, I divide with him. He, he asked me, come and divide with me what you have. Give, give, give to me, let me, divide with me what you have. Because I want to bring multiplication into your life. When I allow the division, it gives God permission to multiply. When I allow the division, it gives God permission to multiply. God can also ask me to subtract what he added to test my heart. I spoke a couple of weeks ago, uh, if you heard it, and if not, it's available on podcast, but I spoke a couple of weeks ago about how God did this incredible miracle with Peter, and uh, the Peter went and put out his nets into the deep, and, and he got this incredible catch of fish, and uh, I don't want to preach all that again, uh, but it was, it, was, it was like an overwhelming miracle that, that God did. But then he gave Peter an unspoken choice. He provided him with the opportunity to uh, be the wealthiest he's ever been in his life, to his, for his business to be the most successful it's ever been, or to step out and to follow Jesus into the unknown. We know that Peter made the latter choice, and that was great. Some of us also may understand the account of, of God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. 
see, if you, if you don't know the, the whole account, this incredible journey of, of um, Abraham and Sarah having to wait until their old age in order uh, for God to give them the miracle of, 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 of childbirth. And, uh, and it was a promise that had hung over their lives for decades. It was, they kept believing, they kept believing. They, they kept believing until they couldn't believe anymore. In fact, when the news came, uh, we even hear that Sarah laughed. Because it was like, really? Now? After my body is as good as dead? You know, really? Now? But of course, it had to be now because God wanted to make sure that everybody knew, especially Abraham and Sarah, that their physical bodies were not able to produce the miracle that they were about to just experience. And when the, the Word of God hit that barren, dried up womb and the Spirit of God came, something ignited that could only have been of God and they had the miracle of a son. It was incredible. In fact, they called him Isaac, which means laughter because this was just incredibly, it wasn't laughter because of humor, it was just laughter because of celebration of, of all that God had done. But then God asked Abraham to subtract what God had added to his life, to test his heart. You see, God is interested in our heart. He he doesn't want you just serving what he's blessed you with. He doesn't want you just serving what he's added to your life. He doesn't want you just serving your gift, your talent, what you're good at. God, God is concerned about the heart. In fact, as I prayed over Matt and Tracy there at South Campus, I used the illustration of um, Samuel, the man of God, coming and anointing uh, David. But just before that, uh, Samuel had believed, surely Eliab, surely this guy is the Lord's anointed. And the Lord said, mm, not him, not him. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Let me tell you, some things never change. So the way, the way, the way we do church may change, the way, the way we, 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 we deal with the, the external wrappings of church may change, but these things will never, ever change. The, man, the way God deals with a woman of God, the way God deals with a man of God, these things are eternal and will not change. God will show you what can be potentially added to your life, but can you survive the subtraction? See, God gave Joseph a dream and showed him that he would raise him up. But part of being raised up was that he had to go down. Firstly, into a pit. The very dream, the very dream that he'd been given that, would tell him, that told him he was going to be raised up caused him to go down. And then freedom was subtracted from his life. First in Potiphar's house. And then in prison. And freedom had to be subtracted so that the palace could be added. I've got to be subtracted from my history so that I can be attracted to my destiny. When God deals with a man 
of God. When God deals with the woman of God, there is revelation, then there is a reverse, the apparent reversal, and then there is the restoration. God will ask me to subtract what he gave me in order to test my heart. You imagine it, 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 the, every promise that, 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 that Abraham had had regarding his son, God said to him that, 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 this, that, that this son was the future. This was, the, this was where the blessing, and yet he said, he said, but I want you to sacrifice your only son because God tested his heart. What, are you going to be, are you going to show me that you're more in love with me than you are in the, with the blessings of my life? See, some of us, we're okay with God while ever things are going well. We're okay with God while ever we're getting blessings, while ever the bills are paid, while everything is strong and everything is well. But you know, things can fall apart quite quickly when we bump into something in life, when the storm hits. And I believe that sometimes God will allow a storm into our life just to give us a bit of a reality check of where we are. In fact, Jesus said, didn't he? He said that it's not, it's not if the storm hits, it's when the storm comes. And then you better make sure that your house is built upon the rock. Because the house on the sand might look good, but it's not going to last. God is preparing a man or woman of God, then there will be a subtraction before the addition. The condition of my heart will ultimately decide whether I can carry what God adds to me. Next point, God subtracts in order to multiply. In John 15, a couple of verses at the beginning there, he says, he says this, Jesus says to himself, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't, produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. I want us to just investigate for a moment the idea that God allows subtraction so that you can gain traction. God allows subtraction so that you can gain traction. So there's a couple of ideas around this, you know, um, traction uh, can be described. It's, it's, it's similar to what you might uh, see as a tire uh, grips the road. And a, a tire, a, a, a pneumatic tire on a car will, will, will grip the road uh, and it can, it can lose traction, for instance, if it hits ice. When you lose traction, you lose the ability. You may have momentum, but you lose the ability to control. I was thinking about this, that um, uh, I was just reflecting on the whole concept of, of fasting, uh, which is essentially something is subtracted in the physical so that I can gain traction in the spiritual. Something is removed there so I can gain something there. Is this all right? You getting it? But traction is also the act of being drawn or pulled over a surface. Subtraction and traction means that God will take some things away so that I can move forward. 
God wants me to move forward, but he has to subtract some hindrances that would hinder the, my forward momentum. See, when, when, God, when God takes something away, he gets my attention. Anyone, anyone can relate to what I'm saying. When God takes something away suddenly, you know, it's amazing. You can take things for granted, and then it goes, and suddenly it's like, what? You know, suddenly you're missing what has been taken away. There's, there's nothing like something being taken away for you suddenly to appreciate something and realize how important it is. So when God takes things away in my life, he gets my attention. In other words, the subtraction deals with the distraction. God gets my attention. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the things that, 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 that are around us, even the very blessings of God, that God has to bring a subtraction so he can deal with the distraction because God needs my attention. And in fact, the, the subtraction of the distraction will give me the opportunity to gain traction. Come on, somebody. Now, in order to go through this process to get to traction, I've got to understand that God is good. That God loves me, that God wants the best for me, that all things in life, he wants, to, he, wants to bless, he wants to get blessing to me. God is not trying to ruin your life. God is not trying to make you unhappy. God is trying to bless you. He is, he is trying to, but we have to understand the processes of God because, because the, the subtotal of my walk with him is not about what I can get from him. God is not Santa Claus. God is not trying to just get stuff to me. He's trying to get, do stuff in me. In fact, the net worth of who and what I am as a follower of Jesus is not by the accumulation of things. It's not about the accumulation of stuff. It's not what I have that, pr that proves the blessing of God in my life. It's what God has done in me. And sometimes God will restrict the external so he can do something deeper on the inside. But I've got to know that God is love. If, you, if your theology says that while ever the money's coming, while ever the blessings are coming, while ever the provisions come in, that that is proof of God's love, then when that stuff stops, as from a season, for a season it may from time to time, you can think, what have I done wrong? God doesn't love me. God, that, that I am no longer blessed. That is not true. That is not true. You've got to understand that, 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 that God knows who I am. He knows where I am. His, his, his goal is, is to bless me. He, he's more keen to bless me than I am to be blessed. But he wants to do something in me. He has plans to prosper me. 
and not to harm me. Now, I will be the first to admit that sometimes I thank God for those words because I've had to speak them over myself and over my circumstances because my circumstances didn't much, look much like that. You know, Lord, I'm going on your word right now that you've got plans to prosper me and not to harm me. But I'm just letting you know, between you and me, because you know it anyway, it doesn't feel much like that right now. I'm feeling something different. But because you say, because your word says, I am choosing not to trust my circumstances right now. I am choosing to trust you. You aren't good because I feel you're good. You're good because you are good. You are God and you are good and you are good all the time. There is nothing that can take away from your goodness. So my feelings do not attract from that. We have to understand, I started with that John 15 scripture, that the, the, the gardener the gardener prunes, the gardener subtracts, but the motive of the gardener is not subtraction. It's more fruit. It's multiplication. God is trying to give you more. But there are some things along the way that may have to be subtracted. I was watching the um, Paralympics. I can't actually remember. I just, I just jotted this down this morning, which event. But there was one guy, he got a, he got a gold medal. And um, he was saying, you know what? Uh, the, the interviewer was saying, oh, you know, what? He's, he's, he's still sinking in. He said, well, I, he said, I haven't had a beer in two years. And, uh, and uh, it's all right, don't, you know, it's okay. It's, it's all right. I, I mentioned beer in church. It's all right. There's, no, there's not going to be any thunderbolts from heaven or anything like that. So he said, maybe, maybe after that it will begin to sink in. And I just thought, wow, you know what? Just in a very simple way, this Olympian had given up beer. He had... He had subtracted something from his life so that something could be added to his life because he was holding on to the gold medal now. Now, that was a, it was clear from what he was saying. That was a bit of a sacrifice. But some of us want the addition, but we're not prepared to make the subtraction that will lead to the addition. Sometimes the subtraction is the cost of the addition. God subtracts in order to multiply. You see, that's why we shouldn't be too quick to judge when blessings have been multiplied in other people's lives. Because we don't know what had to be subtracted in order for them to have that multiplied in their life. You don't know what they had to give up along the way. You're commenting on the abundance of fruit, but where were you when the pruning was taking place? Next point, God subtracts to expose what he'd already added. God subtracts to expose what he'd already added. Let me talk to you about Gideon for a moment. So, Jeroboam, Judges 7, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Harod. Now, 
The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. And I, I think there's a little, we, we don't actually know exactly how many Midianites they were, but I don't know. I think a little bit of a giveaway is armies. You know, you know when you're talking plural? We're not talking army, we're talking armies. That, that just gives us a bit of an indication that the, the, we, we, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. But then God said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid, may leave this mountain and go home. And I'm just, I don't, I don't know, you know, like, it's just me. I'm like, this moment now, you know, like, you, 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 you're Gideon, you're going out to this moment, you're going out to your army of mighty warriors, and he says, you know, God is saying, <clears throat> if you're timid or afraid, you know, it's like, guys, we're not, you know, if you're timid or afraid, you may go home now. 22,000 went, cheers. I'm going, I'm going, I, I, I mean, you know, it's like, what is going on? 22,000 just went all the best. <laughs> Leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Huh? Huh? Bring them down to the spring and I would cast them. To, to, to determine who will go with you, who will not. Mm -mm, you see, God tests. I, I haven't got time. I haven't got, I actually don't have time today. When Gideon took his warriors down, verse 5, one group put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. And in the other group put all those who kneel, who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. And the Lord told Gideon, with these 300, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and rams and horns of the other warriors, I bet he did, and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. God subtracts to show me or to expose what he'd already added. You see, he tried to convince Gideon, who was hiding in a wine press, that he is a mighty man of valor. But in order to prove to Gideon who he was, he didn't add things to him, he took things away. Because Gideon needed to be introduced to Gideon. Sometimes we've got to be introduced to the, God, to the person God knows we are, not the person we think we are. And he reduced his army to prove to Gideon that he was more with God. You know, I find it a fascinating thing that we can get so enamored and dazzled by numbers. You know, the, the reality was that 
Gideon would have been experiencing quite a large amount of security by the number of people that he had. It was like, woo, these are, these are armies that we're facing here, but hey, you know, we'll give it a go. But, but the truth was that 22,000 of them had hearts that were timid and afraid. It's not just about who you've got there. It's about what, are they, what is in their hearts. That is what is going to make the difference. Um, Paul Scanlon actually used this uh, illustration about an old um, oak beam in, 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 in the farmhouse where he now, now lives. But I, we had a similar ex- um, experience in the first house we lived in, in on Hucknall Road um, with the staircase. I don't know what possessed me to even think about doing what we did, but we decided we wanted a, a wood effect uh, staircase, and uh, we began the process of stripping the paint off. I can remember my hands still burning from the, the chemicals that was there. Paul Scanlon talked about the, the paint being stripped from the old oak bean. You see, the thing is that as with his beam, as with our staircase, over the years, as you were stripping away, you saw what had been people's color of preference at the time. You were working through the layers. You know, sometimes we have to see the things that life and others have painted on us removed so that we can be our authentic selves. God has to take things away so that who God knows we are is exposed and our authentic Selves are brought to the table. You see, God subtracts to show me who he is and who I am. So, some few years ago now, uh, many of you know we lived uh, in South Africa for 10 years, led a church uh, uh, called Harfield Church in, 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 in Cape Town. And it was a very interesting thing. Uh, we, we'd actually, we'd been part of the leadership structure of this church for 14 years, and then God took us there. And it was, it was a, there's a long story about how that came to happen, because we never went to lead a church, but that was God's plan. And the first thing that God told me to sort out when we got there was uh, the worship in the house. Funnily enough, first thing he told me to sort out when I got here was the worship in the house. And I believe that the, 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 the worship in a house is incredibly powerful and incredibly important. And I haven't got time to go into that. But that is what I did. And, uh, and so that was a, an interesting journey. Uh, but we, we, we got through to a measure of success. And then back in 2008, um, one of my leaders um, decided that he wanted to start his own church. Uh, you know, uh, and, and, that, and so he did with half our congregation. You'll get it later. Um, and he didn't decide to talk that through with us first. 
he just decided to go with them. So that was an interesting journey. But as part of that journey, he took the majority of the worship team with him. Interesting. So here we are. Uh, we're in a situation now where essentially God had, had doubled the church in numbers uh, in the time we'd gone there and half had left and we had um, not many people uh, left in the worship team. What we did, we had an abundance of drummers because both my sons and my son-in-law drum, um, uh, but that was, that was it. So I, I, I need you to know that we talk about subtraction. You know, subtraction isn't always easy. You know, just because it's important, it doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that it's enjoyable. So, Aaron, Joe, Jesse, all played the drums. Bethany, she uh, sang as part of the worship team. Gabrielle was too young at the time. And what was interesting was the, the journey that we had to go on because there had to be a huge step up then we, we couldn't just have people on the drums. I mean, they were all great at drumming, but we couldn't have just people on the drums to lead worship. And, and so Joe, Joe taught himself to play the guitar. He taught himself to play the keyboard. He taught himself to play the bass guitar. Uh, um, uh, uh, Aaron taught himself to play guitar. Uh, could you already play the guitar? A little bit, but like, not like what you, you could. So, like, so they, they, everyone had to step up big time in, in order because of what had been subtracted. Now, what's interesting today is that Bethany, Aaron, Joseph, Gabrielle, and Jesse are all worship leaders. And they are worship leaders because we went through what we went through. We had to go through the subtraction. God allowed the subtraction because there were some things that needed to gain traction. And we didn't know about those things. We didn't know that in that moment were the seeds of the future, I mean, it, it, you know, essentially Joe lives his life as a musician now. He writes songs. And that was born out of that horrendous season of subtraction. You might be in a time and a season where things have been stripped away, where things have been taken away. And, and, and you might be wondering what on earth is going on because right now you can't locate yourself in your circumstances. But you just need to know that God's got you. He's with you. And the seeds of the future are in this moment. Some things have to be subtracted so that you can find so some things can find the traction. Some of us, we get so, so stuck on what has been subtracted. They took it. I lost it. I, I had to give it up along the way. They left me. Turn to someone near you and say, dry your eyes. Dry your eyes. It's not about who left. It's about who stayed. 
That's what it's about. It's not about what's gone. It's about what God has left you with. You lost things in the fire of your experience, but it's the dross that went and you're left with the gold. Don't despise the day of small things. God allowed the subtraction so something better can gain traction. Turn to someone and say, it's getting better. See, God has already gone before you. He's already gone before you. The story is still being written. Which leads me to this. You see, equals comes at the end of the sum. Equals is the outcome you work out to the sum you've been given. Two plus two equals four. Five times 20 equals 100. Equals is logical. It makes sense. I've come to tell you that I believe God wants to redefine your equals. God wants to give you an equals that doesn't make sense. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of equals that doesn't make sense like my maths exams. Because I had lots of equals that didn't make sense. But I'm not talking about that kind of. I'm talking about that God wants to give you an equals that doesn't make sense because he's trying to show you that he's not confined to your logic. He's not confined to what you know and what you understand. Leviticus 26 verse 8 says that five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. You see, if you look at that, it says essentially, if, if, if we're saying that five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000, essentially that scripture is saying one, what one of you will do, now, what, what, it, what it took five of you to do will now only take one. What it took five of you to do, it will only take one. But then in Joshua 23 verse 10, it says one of you routes a thousand. Because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. Now it will take one where it took 50. That is what happens when God turns up. Because we're not fighting alone. It's when God fights for you. What it took 50 of you to do, now it will just take one. Seven loaves become seven baskets. And 4,000 got fed. Five loaves become 12 baskets. And 5,000 got fed. A drop of oil will fill many jars and you'll be delivered from death. You see, when God is at the center of your life, then your income does not decide your outcome. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Your income does not decide your outcome. What wasn't enough will be more than enough. They should have said no, but it came back yes. You shouldn't have made it, but you did it anyway. You weren't the most qualified, but you got the job. I could only give this, but God did that. I got breakthrough. I got more than enough. God is giving you a different equals to the one you understand. Don't work to your logic. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't rely on what you know. God is redefining 
your equals because he is the God of the exceedingly, abundantly, more than I can ask or even imagine. Why? Because God's maps don't add up. God bless you.